You're listening to Irish Radio Canada's Home and Abroad and uh, as we approach March and the season when the All Things Irish hit the headlines, not just in Canada but all over the world, many government ministers travel to all parts of the world to represent Ireland and coming to Canada this year we have the Minister for Communications, Climate Change, uh, there's about five different portfolios, but it's only one minister. It's not five ministers. <laughs> and that is Dennis Nocton, Minister Dennis Nocton. Thanks a million for agreeing to have a chat. Not and God. welcome. Thanks very much. Now, you tell me all the, the ministries that you're responsible for. Oh, well, I'm the official title of my department is the Department of Communications, Climate Action and Environment. Uh, it's made up of the Department of Communications, which covers everything uh, from bar- broadcasting to the digital economy, uh, and the single biggest priority for me at the moment in that department is bringing high-speed broadband to every single home and premises in Ireland. Uh, We expect to have about 90% of the country uh, covered uh, both urban and rural uh, by 2020 and soon after that to complete the, the final 10%. Ireland was the first country in the world to bring electricity to every single uh, home uh, in the country and we expect to be the first country in the world to bring high-speed broadband uh, to every single home. The, uh, I'm also the Minister for Energy and uh, the big area of growth for me in that and the big focus uh, is renewable energy, uh, uh, particularly in relation to biomass uh, in the midlands of the country and uh, offshore renewable energy, ocean technology, looking at uh, offshore wind, uh, offshore uh, wave uh, and offshore tidal. Um, so that's what uh, we're looking at at the moment and I know we have uh, a relationship with some uh, Canadian uh, researchers in relation to that. I'm also the Minister for the Environment and the big agenda there is the whole climate change agenda. Uh, but my particular focus is on the issue of air quality uh, because the difficulty with climate change is it's a long-term objective and you know it's going to take the steps that you take today you're only going to see the impact of those in 20, 30, 40 years time Uh, and for a lot of people that's too far away telling people to take steps today that have uh, an impact on the next generation or on their grandchildren. So what I'm trying to do is trying to focus on air quality because air quality has a direct impact in relation to our health today. Uh, About one in five children in Ireland suffer from asthma. One in 11 uh, people in Ireland suffer from COPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. Uh, So even though we're on the west coast of Ireland uh, or the west coast of Europe and should have very clean air, we have four deaths a day directly associated with poor air quality. So by improving air quality, we improve our health outcomes, we reduce pressure on our health service, and we also have a longer-term impact on climate change. I'm also the Minister for Natural Resources, which uh, covers everything from angling uh, right through to uh, oil exploration, uh, mineral extraction, 
and uh, also waste uh, so that also comes under uh, my remit so it's a very broad uh, remit I uh, uh, represent Ireland at three European Council of Ministers the telecommunications ministers the environment ministers stroke climate ministers uh, and the energy ministers so it's a pretty busy portfolio when you talk about air quality what strikes me is like where's the problem in Ireland with like, what's causing bad air quality uh, a lot of it is to do with burning fossil fuels um, and it's to do with physically burning them for power generation we have about 40% of our energy being made up uh, from a coal-fired power station on the west coast of Ireland called Money Point. Uh, we also have three peat-fired power stations in the Midlands, in uh, Lanesborough, Shannon Bridge and Edenderry. Edenderry now is burning 50% biomass and in the next few months we're going to have a planning application in from Lanesborough and Shannon Bridge to do the same uh, and the intention is between now and 2030 to transition those power stations away from uh, peat uh, to biomass. Uh, we also have domestic burning of coal which is a particular problem uh, in Ireland and we're going to be the first country in Europe if not the first country in the world uh, to ban uh, the sale of, of smoky coal uh, and that is going to be implemented from uh, later this year um, and then the other big issue is, is traffic uh, particularly in our cities uh, in relation to diesel cars in particular uh, and we have seen over the last decade a huge shift in uh, from petrol cars to diesel cars because we changed the the motor tax system uh, in Ireland uh, to look at lower emission vehicles and we believed at the time based on the scientific research that was being presented by the motor industry that diesel cars were cleaner we now find that that's not the case so they're the big problems in relation uh, to air quality and they're also the bigger problems that we have in the longer term in relation to climate. Minister, I noticed recently that uh, I think Ireland was exporting some of its waste abroad and um, some of the countries that received waste, um, I'm not sure if Ireland was exporting to China, but I understand Ireland, uh, uh, China and some other countries are shutting down being as receptive as they were. Yeah, well, we, we ex export a number of different uh, waste streams. Uh, we're export, exporting a certain amount of domestic refuse uh, that's quite limited but we are still exporting it uh, for incineration uh, in continental Europe uh, most of that is dealt with here uh, through uh, we have three waste to energy facilities uh, in Ireland another one under planning permission at the moment and we still have four landfills uh, in the country uh, so that's where the bulk of our domestic uh, waste goes. We're pretty good, uh, we're actually the European leader in relation to recycling plastics um, but we don't have the recycling facilities for plastic, uh, for paper, uh, for tyres uh, in the country at the moment because the scale is just not big enough mm -hmm. to do that. So all of those uh, recycled goods are exported. At the moment the main demand is in China so a lot of those uh, recyclables are sent to China. 
uh, I suppose wearing my European hat uh, we now have a problem in that China is actually closing down uh, its industry to imported uh, recycled materials uh, and uh, with the European Commission we're now looking one to try and get a delay on that from the Chinese authorities uh, and secondly to try and build up capacity within Europe to actually process uh, this. You need large numbers and volumes to do that so these facilities will be built uh, in continental Europe but that we would feed into those rather than shipping it halfway across the world. Going back to communications Minister, you mentioned your ambition is that you can get broadband to every home in Ireland and uh, I know the big problem in everywhere and in Canada is uh, given that uh, it's such a large country with a diverse population getting broadband to remote communities is a particular challenge but everyone talks about the last mile and the last mile is really the crucial mile and there are an awful lot of nooks and crannies in the west of Ireland that must present a tremendous challenge. Yes, I suppose, look, if we pull this off we'll be the global leader in relation to it and we will pull it off uh, and actually the, the contract that we're involved with at the moment we have two uh, bidders um, the end of this month uh, they will be submitting formal bids to us um, and they are looking at a, a fibre solution because the contract that we're signing is a 25 year contract mm-hmm. and the uh, commitment that we're getting off the, the bidders is that they must be able to future proof the technology for the 25 years and the reason that we're doing that is that we had a national broadband scheme uh, back in uh, the start of this decade uh, which used 3G to provide mobile broadband services across rural Ireland. The difficulty is by the time it went live it was obsolete in relation to the demands that people had mm. in relation to broadband. So the uh, decision has been taken that the only long-term sustainable solution that is future-proofed to meet not only the needs today but the needs of the next generation uh, is fibre. So we're looking at bringing fibre to pretty much most uh, premises in Ireland and we have a pretty dispersed population Uh, it's a bigger challenge than most other parts of the world in that 27% of our population live in communities of 50 or less uh, people. So it is a very dispersed population geographically compared to Canada it's much much smaller uh, but it is a huge challenge. Now there are extremely isolated locations uh, where it makes absolutely no economic sense to uh, string fibre for maybe three or four miles into a single house. In those situations we'll be looking at a a wireless solution but in the main we are looking at a fibre solution. We did look at uh, a wireless solution to service most of rural Ireland but in order to provide the type of broadband speeds that we need and we're at the moment the contract is that it must be a minimum uh, of 30 megabits per second 365 days of the year 24 hours a day so at the worst of going it must be uh, 30 megabits per second but uh, in reality the demand at the moment is for about 100 megabits per second 
and we expect that to increase over the next 25 years to a minimum of a gig uh, a second. So you to put that type of infrastructure in on a wireless network would require such an intensity uh, of uh, mass and antennae across the country that it's actually cheaper to put in fibre. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's uh, future-proof by putting fibre in place. So that's the reason why we're taking that decision. Um, it does mean more upfront capital cost uh, but it does mean that we're now in a situation in this country where we will be able to offer to any entrepreneur out there anyone that wants to uh, look at providing services in rural Ireland using uh, technology exploiting that to then bring it to much bigger markets has the opportunity now to do it in Ireland and I think the the big opportunity that we have in relation to broadband is that at the moment I think people are quite limited in their thinking as to what broadband will provide them looking at access to the internet looking at television uh, services and phone services but I think it can transform healthcare provision uh, particularly the monitoring uh, of chronic conditions I think it provides huge opportunities in relation uh, to bespoke education where it's actually tailored to meet an individual it allows people to start up their own business from their own kitchen so I think it will provide huge entrepreneurial opportunities uh, for many people across rural Ireland and in tandem with that one of our other state companies on post the postal service uh, is now ramping up its capability in relation to the whole digital economy um, it's the only company in Ireland that will deliver a parcel to every single door in Ireland five days a week uh, and pick up a parcel from every single door in Ireland five days a week and what's interesting is that with online sales uh, about one in five sales are actually returned so it's not just the one-way stream of delivery the collection is uh, equally important uh, in order for uh, to have a very robust uh, online trading system. It's interesting you raise that, Minister, because one of the moves that hit uh, major objections in Canada relatively recently was efforts by Canada Post to go to community mailboxes and to cut back on door-to-door delivery in urban areas, not just rural. Or, uh, but um, It's interesting that you highlight the statistics relative to home delivery for purchases and returns because it's often not thought of. And I know telemedicine is something that you're very keen also and and see an opportunity for. There's a problem in Ireland insofar as for the last God knows how long, people have been moving to Dublin. And I guess there's a real drive to try to create an environment that makes outside of Dublin attractive to want to live, to work, to create employment. Yeah, I suppose, look, there's a few things there. First of all, um, there was uh, proposals presented to me uh, as communications minister to reduce the mail service uh, outside of our towns and cities to a three day a week mail service. Uh, and I opposed it and wouldn't allow it to happen because I felt for, for businesses and particularly when we're bringing high speed broadband to rural areas you can't then take away the opportunity for people to actually develop a business if they don't have a proper postal service. Uh, and we had a firm of international consultants have come in look at how we re- restructure the company and they found that the single biggest asset that the company had was that it had a van delivering uh, to every single door in Ireland 
uh, five days a week and that gave it a competitive advantage over any other operator uh, in the sector and now the company has decided to actually build uh, on that uh, and use it as a unique selling point so I think we have to be very careful about running down our posted services because the difficulty is that in a lot of cases and Ireland is no exception uh, people that have been running the service traditionally they've been state controlled services have been purely looking at the service based on the delivery of mail mail volumes are falling off and you know as someone said to me at the time when this proposal was presented to me really does it make any difference whether you get the bill on a Monday or on a Wednesday uh, or in the case of Canada whether you get the bill down the street or in your letterbox but it's not about that it's about the way the economy is changing about parcels and providing new and innovative services in fact um, only in, in the last couple of days I've, I've launched a, a new initiative a pilot initiative um, in three provincial towns in Mullingar in Ennis and Bantry where we are using the postal service to encourage people to shop online with their own local business so it's called e-local and the initiative is that you can uh, buy something in your local butcher or your local supermarket or your local hardware store uh, it will be picked up by the on post van uh, by five o'clock uh, in the evening and to be delivered to your door the following morning with the mail um, so while we have uh, a situation where Irish people are spending about 14,000 euro every single minute uh, online the difficulty is about 10,000 euro a minute of that has been spent on goods and services from outside Ireland through this initiative now and it's a pilot initially of these um, of these three towns but the intention is to roll this out to 100 towns across Ireland uh, to try and get people within the, the local area to buy those goods and services yes online but in their local business and have it delivered to the door next day now that's the type of service that is only available in some of the major cities mm -hmm. across the globe mm -hmm. and this is something that we can provide in some of the most isolated rural communities by actually exploiting the post office network and it's that type of thinking that is vitally important now to develop the digital economy and to develop the rural economy and I think by bringing broadband into rural communities we can not only help to uh, stop the flow of population into Dublin uh, but that we can create very sustainable local economies that maintain our provincial towns and maintain uh, our rural communities now of course in Canada the scale is much bigger uh, but the challenges are pretty similar and the opportunities are also uh, there as well so you know it is something that uh, we have to, to try and crack uh, and I think Ireland can be very much used as you know a place where you can try out this where we are pretty digitally savvy we have uh, the most uh, small and medium-sized businesses uh, in Europe trading online at the moment we have uh, about a third of our business is doing that which is nearly twice as much as the European average I want to see that increase and increase dramatically over the next coming years and we're actually going out and we're training people that are not digitally literate at the moment we are 
um, training about 40,000 people uh, per annum who have never used the internet before and about one in seven people in Ireland have never used the internet to give them the basic digital skills. We're also looking at using the local post office network uh, across the country. We have uh, 1,100 uh, post offices, the length and breadth of Ireland. Uh, all of those by the end of this year will have access to high-speed broadband and we're looking at how we can use that so that people that are maybe not digitally literate or don't have access to the internet that they can go into their local post office they can buy their airline tickets they can uh, buy their goods and services uh, online and have delivered them to their own door so minister um you're heading to canada for uh, next month and um i know you've had contact with minister Catherine mckenna that's your shared portfolios also that's right yeah. um do you have at this stage some goals and objectives or are there people you're hoping that you can connect with and there have been a lot of bi-directional deals that have been done and sealed in the last recent while yeah i think uh, first of all i think the the relationship between uh, ireland and canada while it has always been very strong on a personal level i i think the economic opportunities have never been fully exploited. I suppose my own department uh, has a good working relationship with our counterparts uh, in Canada. The Geological Survey of Ireland has, has done a lot of survey work uh, in Canada because the geology uh, off the Irish coast is the same uh, off the the uh, Canadian coast um, and we have petroleum uh, ties Irving Oil uh, purchased the uh, Whitegate uh, refinery uh, in Cork uh, last year uh, and I was down at the official handover of that uh, so there are on the petroleum side there have been on the exploration side a lot of connections there and my own department will be directly uh, plugged into that but I think there are huge opportunities I think there's huge opportunities for Canada to, to use Ireland as a launch pad into the European market. I think the European market uh, and European consumers are far more focused on Canada, particularly now in relation to the whole climate agenda. And it is something that we as Europeans are very focused on. And I suppose very disappointed in what's happening over the border uh, in the United States uh, as well. And that's why I think the relationship that I've built up with Catherine McKenna and Catherine has built up with my colleagues across Europe uh, is so very important. So I think there, there are opportunities, particularly in the whole area of ocean energy. Uh, we have huge uh, skills uh, in Canada in relation to what happens with our oceans uh, through oil exploration. Uh, we have that knowledge and understanding in Ireland as well and we're now trying to use that knowledge and understanding to exploit renewable energy uh, off our coasts and again the geology and geography is quite similar there are huge opportunities I believe there uh, for greater cooperation uh, on that on the digital side I think uh, there are opportunities now for a Canadian business to use Ireland as a testbed in relation to developing uh, products and services uh, on in a rural uh, country, a rural English-speaking country that has uh, fibre pretty much uh, everywhere and that then gives them an opportunity to uh, upscale that uh, for much bigger uh, markets either in Europe or globally. And I think there is also the opportunity to use Ireland as 
a launch pad into the, the European digital uh, economy. Uh, so I think on the, the energy side and on the digital side, there are big opportunities there uh, at the moment. And I think, look, right across our economy, uh, there are opportunities. We're looking very much to try and develop uh, business outside uh, of the city of Dublin, in our provincial towns and, and our smaller cities across the country. Uh, and now that we're the only English-speaking country left uh, in the, the European Union, I think there are opportunities there. We also have a strong relationship uh, with our French counterparts uh, and, of course, Canada having the both languages. I think Ireland is an ideal location uh, to base industry. Minister, would it be reasonable to say that the Irish government um, recognises more now than it did the importance or the value uh, and the historic um, relevance of the Canadian relationship where it may have been down the totem pole previously? Yes, I, I think because the relationship has always been so strong with the United States, uh, it maybe hasn't got the priority it deserved uh, in relation to it. I suppose, look, I'm slightly different in that I represent the middle of the country, uh, the constituency of Roscommon and Galway, uh, and uh, there are strong connections, particularly with Canada and Gross Eel and Strokestown and County Roscommon. Um, so it's something that we've always been very conscious of uh, locally, and now I have an opportunity to try and build on that relationship. But yes, it hasn't got the priority it really uh, has deserved in the past. And uh, I think while different government departments, and my own included, have built up a very good close relationship on the marine and uh, the petroleum exploration side, I think on the broader side of it, we haven't used it. And I think it's not just about you, uh, Canadian investment coming into Ireland. It's also very much about Irish investment into Canada as well. I think people tend to forget that Irish companies employ more people in the United States than American companies employ uh, in Ireland. So I think there's opportunities there where Irish companies have particularly developed solutions uh, that uh, are applicable in uh, countries with very dispersed populations uh, where there are particular geographical challenges and I think we could easily upscale those to deal with some of the challenges uh, that are in Canada as well. So I think there are huge opportunities for us to learn from each other. Uh, now because of the new trade agreement between Canada uh, and the EU, it also uh, provides barrier-free trade uh, between uh, both jurisdictions. Uh, and I think uh, in the Canadian mindset and the Irish mindset, I think they're pretty alike in trying to exploit those opportunities. Minister, I don't want to delay you any longer. It's been tremendous chatting with you. Uh, looking forward to your trip to when you do make it and touch Canadian soil. Um, it will be cold. Um, you need to bring the toque and the gloves and the warm jacket. And if you check with your colleague, uh, Mr. Coveney, from his experience last year, um, I think you will enjoy the experience and enjoy meeting the Canadian business people, the Canadian Irish, the Irish diaspora, and uh, all the Canadian colleagues that you'll bump into in the Canadian government. Yes, look, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. As I say, I 
good relationship built up with uh, Kevin Vickers here. Of course, he has uh, hit the headlines on both sides of the uh, Atlantic. Uh, since he came to Ireland, he has uh, warmed uh, to many of us here, and uh, I have a good working relationship with Catherine McKenna as well. So I'm open to build on that. I think there are huge uh, opportunities from uh, a political level, uh, from an enterprise level, to develop relationships both ways. Um, and you know, I think that can only benefit uh, both the European Union and Canada. Minister Nocton, thanks a million for taking the time talking to us on Irish Radio Canada. Thank you.